0: All right. Uh, We're going to pray, and then uh, we'll get into our lesson. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, just the great opportunity on this Sunday. Lord, we just thank you that uh, you have saved us. You have set us apart. You have come into our lives, Lord, when we were radically opposed to you. Lord, we kicked against you. We fought against you. And in your grace, you still sought us out and drew us to yourself. Lord, we are just so thankful. Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for this day. We just thank you that uh, you would bless these people as I teach uh, through Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Lord, bless me as I speak um, and just to allow everything to coalesce and gel. And so it's a nice lesson when we leave. Everybody's more clear on what Genesis says. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Christ's name. Lord, we're also praying for Scott and uh, his, his speaking at his grandmother's funeral in Florida, at probably at this moment. Lord, just um, bless him, give him clarity of thought and mind to, to give a gospel presentation, Lord, to uh, call people unto yourself, to let the people who are at the funeral know that death, death is an enemy, but death is certain for all men, um, that it's an appointment that all men will keep, that they need to understand that they have to deal with you when they die. Just give him boldness and strength in his, in his character, Lord. Give him a, a mouth to speak your words, not his own. And, uh, Lord, we'll just praise you for all of this for, forever, and, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. Everybody's thinking, hey, he covered Genesis 1 last week, and he didn't talk about the creation of man. We talked about all this stuff, but he didn't talk about the creation of man. I'm going to talk about that this week. So, one of the things that I wanted to to mention was, uh, as we're talking about the creation of man, we have to, again, put ourselves in the context in which Genesis was written. And I pulled something off the net, and it's called The Creation of Man According to Greek Mythology. And according to Greek mythology, uh, there was a a god named Zeus, who was the leader of the gods, who ordered his two sons, Prometheus and Epimetheus, to give various gifts to mortals that hoped they they would evolve into interesting beings and also to be muses to the gods. But when they started to give these gifts to men, the other Older brother, Epimetheus, was asked to give his gifts first, and he gave man beauty to some animals, agility to some animals, strength to some other animals, and speed. But he left human beings defenseless. Now, this is how the Greeks understood the creation of man. And they had no natural, under, no natural weapons to fight off all of these enemies that were in the world. Now, Prometheus, who was his brother, he liked the human race, and, he, and realizing uh, what had happened, he immediately began to distribute his own gifts to mankind. And what he did was he stole reason from the goddess Athena, and he gave it to man. He stole fire from Hephaestus, and he gave that to man. And that would keep them warm. Now, Prometheus became the protector of the human race and shared all of the knowledge that he had. Now, does that sound anything like the Genesis story? No. No. That's, that's an understanding, again, as we talked about last week, that is phenomenological language. People were looking at what was going on, trying to figure out what had happened, and explaining it in ways that they could understand. And so, as you were looking at this, as they're coming along, as the Greeks are going, how did we get here? What did we do? Again, the Hebrews were given revelation by God. Okay, And that's what we're dealing with in the book of Genesis. What we're talking about is the creation of man. I really love this picture. If anybody wants to buy the big frame portrait size for me, I will take it. It will be a love <laughs> offering. Um, but it's a great picture. It's the, it's the creation of man. you got the ground, God's hands, God's spirit coming out. It's a picture that speaks <coughs> positively to me. But this is what we're talking about. The creation of man. And that's on the top left hand of the... Uh, Your handout. In Genesis 1, which we didn't talk about last week, found in verses 26 through the end of the chapter, we've got man being created. And after God creates the land, the sea, the sky, all the animals, and everything like that, man is found not to have an opposite. It's not, he doesn't have a suitor, helpable, help. A suitable helper for him, mm-hmm. and um, everything was said to create after its kind. Okay, now in Hebrew, that's the second word. That little thing looks like a little hut with a thing coming off of it. That is the word men. In Hebrew, it's men. The little little dash is a yod. The little dot under the first letter is that's the e and the little thing with the long tail, that's your in. Men, it means kind. That's what you need to understand. Man did not have a kind, a corresponding partner to who he was. Now, one of the things that you'll find as you're reading through Genesis 1 and 2 is the word Adam. That's the first word on your sheet. That word Adam means man, but it also is a proper name. It's the name Adam. But again, I think there's wonderful and beautiful wordplay that we'll get to throughout the book of Genesis, or throughout the, at least the first three chapters, that God uses to stress his point. He's going to be doing, uh, we covered it a little bit last week, but I want to reemphasize the point, that God will say something here in <coughs> nugget form, and then he'll expand it. And then he'll kind of go back, and then... Move forward. It's kind of like two steps forward, one step back. Then he says something in chapter one, the creation of man, and in chapter two he's going to expand it. So you're as you're reading through Genesis, you need to be thinking backwards and you need to be thinking forwards as you're going through the text. Simply because what he's talking about now is going to reference what he's talked about before, and it's also going to be um, important to what he's going to talk about in the future. So at the climax of creation, man is created. This is in Genesis one. Uh, He's created in God's own image, and notice that the singular image of God is expressed in a plurality of reality that is both male and female. Now, even though in the story we're told later on that man is alone, we know that God's creation is what? What is God's creation? It's in the text. Anybody can spit out an idea. Hmm? It's, but God, what does God say of all of his creation? Good. It's very good, okay? And in Hebrew, that is tov ma'od. Now, a funny side story. My Hebrew teacher, when he would come in, he would always say, uh, he would say, how are y'all doing today? And he, he would expect us all to say tov ma'od. But we also, uh, as a class, we got together and we learned how to say not very well. I actually forgot what that is. But that we would say not very well to him in Hebrew, and he would kind of smile. That became a running joke. Um, but Tov Ma'od is a theme. God creates everything, and it's all good. But when he gets done with creating man, it's very good. Okay? Man is the apex. Man is the, the, the high point of God's creation. But the issue is, and that's the first question, what does it mean for man to be created in the image of God? Anybody have any ideas? That we're like him. We're like him. Yeah.
1: We have a similar, you know, um, like the similar qualities or the similar characteristics, or you know, like the, that we make judgments like yep. he does. And
0: yes, anybody else? I guess you'd say he
1: values us over the rest of the creation. Yes,
0: very good. Anybody else?
1: I guess, um, like twenty-six says, um, the thing God said, let us make in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and birds and air and over all the things except man, basically.
0: You, you said something really, really crucial there. When man is made, we are told to rule. He hadn't given that that command to anybody, any other creation, but it's given to man. Um, when, it's, when it says, what does it mean for man to be created in the image of God? The first thing is that he is created in God's place, the place of rulership. That's the goes in the little blank there that you have on your sheet. With respect to the rest of life on this planet, we are called to rule in God's stead. God said, I created all things, I've made all things, I've made all of this, and now I'm giving it to you to rule over and take care of for me. Okay. Uh, We are kind of like uh, God is the general, and we're his captains, okay? He's saying, you guys can do it. Let's see how it's done. But we have to understand, even though we have some authority, all authority rests with God, okay? Second thing, mankind is given the position of federal headship over the earth. What that means is that uh, because of the fall, because of man's fall, uh, it impacted the rest of creation because man fell everything else fell the reason that your car rusts and gets old And other than because that's the way they made it, but because the fall okay the reason that people get sick and pass away The fall the reason you, you can build a building and it's going to crumble in 10 20 100 years, whatever The fall when we were created things were perfect got hey it would have been great to have Adam and Eve never sin and be born and not understand sin, not understand death, not understand any of that, but that's not the world we were born into. We're born into a world that's full of sin and it affects us. Is anybody getting old and when they wake up, their hands and bones they kind of crack their knee and crack their back and all this stuff. You wake up and ah oh. That's the fall. Okay. Now, what's funny is all the older people—they're kind of smiling at me. All the young people are like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> Keep living, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. All right. The last thing is, mankind is given a position of stewardship over the rest of creation, and it, it, we got—we have—I'm not going to focus on this much, but uh, we have a lot—an uh, obligation for faithful stewardship of that which is we've been entrusted. We have to be faithful to what God has given us. And that's, you know, you can there's a bunch of books on, um, on, on that topic, but I, I don't want to stand there. I don't want to stay there.
2: Hey, John.
0: Sir.
1: You mind if I say something here? Yes, sir. Um, uh, you pointed out, you know, like the, the federal headship of mankind. Uh, the only, you know, I think it's important for us, you know, especially to grasp, you know, the fact that Adam, Hmm. Precisely, you know, and of course, yes. specifically, was our federal head.
0: Yes, I, I, you know, to, Adam, I agree.
1: Adam and Eve, yes, they, they they both, you know, represent mankind. But you know, as you know, you know, it, it goes on to say in chapter three, it's not until Adam fell, right, that that their eyes were opened, right, and almost like a symbol of Adam was the federal head himself, right, and that's why in Romans, exactly, you know, Paul doesn't say Adam and Eve are federal; but he only focuses on Adam, right. That Jesus is the second Adam.
0: Jesus is and the second Adam. I, Jesus I know, is the like man. Actually,
1: I know, that's not your focus, but I just think it's important for us to realize, like, you know, because it has a lot of uh, ramifications, yes. even for, you know, uh, biblical manhood and womanhood.
0: And, know, and I agree. Very, very, very important kind of to understand. Yeah. Very important to understand. I'm not saying that that this federal headship is given to both male and female. It's given to Adam. That's very important. Because again, as Pastor Miller pointed out, Adam is, is the first man. Jesus is the second Adam. Mm-hmm. And, thing, and God's redemptive plan in some sense revolves around those two men. The first man fell. The second, the second Adam was perfect. He did not fall. okay? Mm-hmm. That's part of what's, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we have to understand is that uh, the, the less important things are dealt with in a rapid kind of survey, Fashion. That's why I think if you think about what we talked about the first week, a couple of weeks ago, it's just a general statement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but then He kind of gets more specific. Well, as you as you're understanding the heavens and the earth, what does that look like? Okay, and it's again, it's that cycling back. You have to constantly remember this as you read Genesis. It's going forwards, two step forwards, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Um, so uh, as a, as we're looking at Genesis one and two and just the creation. Just a simple overview is in Genesis 1, it gives a brief outline of God's creation. It sets out the order of creation. It shows man in his cosmic setting. It gives us a panoramic view of creation as a whole. And it centers on God as the creator of heaven and earth. But in chapter 2, it tells us the details of the creation of man, it sets out the purpose of creation. It shows man as the central theme of the book, of this little section, gives us a detailed view of one particular aspect of creation, and it centers on man as the crowning, uh, of, the crowning of God's creation. Okay, so that's kind of the difference between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. But you get, again, as you read Genesis 1, because see, we're, we're reading Genesis 1, Genesis 2, 2,000, 3,000 years removed from when it was written. And we're looking, we're looking back through Christian eyes, understanding some things. These are people who got the book for the first time as they're getting ready to go into the land. Okay? And that is, they're, they're reading this and they're kind of going, what's God talking about? You understand? But it's all important that God is going to say something and reiterate it and expand upon it. Say something, reiterate it and expand upon it. Because as, as we'll find out next week, he's going to talk about sin and then he's going to expand upon it a lot. We're going to cover like maybe five chapters next week. But that's what happens. God does that, and it's for our benefit, okay? In chapter 2, so now we're moving to chapter 2. In chapter 2, we're confronted with a new name for the creator. It changes from God to Lord God. Now, in English, God, Lord God, God. You know, that doesn't sound like a, a great big difference. But you see you've got Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 3. And, gen, and then on the other side, Genesis 2, 4 through 25. The first word under Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 3. Does anybody have any idea what that word is in Hebrew? You see it all the time. Elohim. Elohim. That's Elohim. And Elohim means? God. Okay. <laughs> Now that's important. It's the strong one. It's a plural. Um, the purpose of this is to shows that God is the, the one who created, he gives us the facts of creation. And the emphasis is on the world generally. But in chapter two, does anybody have any idea what that second word is? And I should have made a big picture to, to so you can see this word. That word is really important to Hebrews. That word is so important that Hebrews today mistakenly won't even say the word. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? What did you say,
2: Trisha? Oh,
0: Yahweh. I don't know. Yahweh. Y H W H. Y H W H. Yeah. Just the four consonants. Y H W H. And we are pretty sure that the pronunciation is Yahweh, simply because you have things like Hallelujah, words like that, and there's in the in the Greek translation there's different things that give us understanding that, it was actually pronounced Yahweh. Yahweh is the covenant-keeping one. That's who he is. That's what. That's the name of God, covenant-keeping one. And it shows, the purpose is, it shows God's relationship with his human creatures. Again, if you think about Genesis 1, he is showing us the creation of all things, and he says, yeah, I created man. But when you get to Genesis 2, There's going to be more details, okay? more understanding of what that actually looked like. And the emphasis is humankind specifically. Moses uh, has here combined the word for God with the personal name of the creator, Yahweh. The name of the majestic sovereign creator is the same personal loving God who speaks to Adam and Eve. What would it have been like to actually talk to God face to face? as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. That would have been an awesome thing. On the back of your sheet, it says, at the top, I want you to notice that's a picture of an artist's rendition of the Garden of Eden. Notice the care and intimacy that God uses in the creation of man in chapter 2. He places his hands into the dirt, and hands is in italics, and forms mankind. Then he cradles that man and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And it's at that point, Genesis 2, 7 says that we become a living soul. Understand, before God forms us, we're just dirt. All the elements that are in your body can be found in the ground outside. But God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And it's at that point that Adam became a living soul. (coughs) There's a lot I'd like to say about what that is, but I'm going to kind of slide on. But I'll say this. If God had not done that, we would not have been any better than the beast's. But that God did that shows that he cares for each one of us in the, throughout all history. Unbelievers are given the breath of God. That grace is given to them in spite of what they're doing to God. It's like getting a gift from your father and then slapping him in the face. We cannot take what God has done for us. Granted, he's given us life, y'all. That's so important. That's why I think the abortion issue is so important. Life comes from God, and to snuff out life is an affront to God. We're we are made in His image, and when we take the initiative to snuff out a life, we are playing God, and we can't do that. Okay, uh, we. Uh, all as mankind have God's life in us, and I'm not saying that this makes us divine, but that God uh, Yahweh Elohim has freely freely given all humans this gift of life, okay um, Yahweh Elohim places man in the garden and he gives him one command. He says, "From the tree of the garden you may freely eat." But from that tree of the but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. That's Genesis two, sixteen through seventeen. Now here, what does it mean for God to say that man would die? He would die spiritually. That's one. And inevitably yes. he
1: would die physically.
0: That's two. One more. Yes. That
1: he would die for all? And then you won't be perfect no
0: more. Yes, and yes, but it's <laughs> something I'm looking for specifically. Got that, yes, yes. There's a separation between God and man. Okay? The, the three that I want to focus on is that he would die naturally, physically, and that there would be a separation between God and man. Again, that's important because we all know when Adam ate, and this is getting into next week, did he die that day? No. Well, it depends upon, I'm going to use a Bill Clinton quote, it depends upon what the definition of is is, okay? Did he die? Yes. Did he die? No. Did he die? Kind of, okay? So did he die in a spiritual sense? Yes. Did he die in that he was separated from God? Yes, in a sense, because God was still there. But did he die in the uh, in the physical sense? No. Okay, so. Well, he began to die. He began. He began. Yes, I will. I will say that. But uh, the, when I, I think the natural reading of the text is in the day that you will die. I think people and I take it to be that God was saying, "You eat it, you'll die." That's the way I always understood it. Uh-huh. But I think. God was. I think God, uh, Hebrew and Greek has this thing where a word can have a little more uh, fullness to it than what we will give to a, a word in English. And I think this word where it says die kind of means that because we've got three definitions of what this word could mean. And I think it, the, when he says that if you eat, you'll die, it's kind of using all three definitions that are, that are wrapped up into this, what we just call one word. So, you know, yeah, Adam, he, he died spiritually. He died in the sense that this relationship, this separation took place, but God was still with him, and he would eventually die. Is that a better way to say that? He would eventually die in the future. Yes, sir?
2: The process began that day.
0: Yes, the process began that day. That's a good way to say
2: it. In all three aspects.
0: And um, Yes, very good.
1: So is is that why it says, um, as we continue to read that text, um, it says, for in that day you eat from it, you will it's 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 a, it's an absolute yeah. truth. Surely die. You will die. You will Surely you will. And now you're recognizing how you died.
0: Right. <laughs> okay. Now now, now the, 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 the I told my wife the the, the hard part of preparing this le- preparing this lesson was you got so many things to talk about and you gotta focus on like three or four or some meth times, maybe five. There was so much I had to pick from. That was one of the things I was like <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna say something but I gotta move on. Because there's there's a lot of stuff. In Genesis, that you want to just—I mean, guys preach sermons that take like twenty years from Genesis. You know, they go just verse by verse. You know, so again, we're we're flying over Genesis. So I'm I'm going to keep moving. But very good point. Very good point. In when you get to verse 18, because we're going to now, what happens is in in verse four you have the account, and that's Toledo. That's our that's our marker um, of the heavens and the earth. But then you, as you move down to verse 7 or 8, you have God creating man, uh, the Lord God. But what happens in verses like 9, 10, 11, all of that's kind of geographical, physical stuff. We're not going to cover that. That's where Eden is described. Eden is a great place. Um, it's, it's, you know, They speculate where it is and all this stuff, but we're not going to cover that. I want to get to verse 18. Uh, at Verse 18 um, and we're gonna we're gonna cycle back to verse 15. In verse 18, God says for the first time that things are not good. And there's what is it that's not good? Man should be alone. Man should be alone. Man ain't got no helper. We don't have. I, I think God, you know, hey Adam, look, here's a bunny rabbit. Do you notice the bunny rabbit? It's male and female. Here's a deer. You notice the deer? There's a male and female. Hey, there's some elephants. You notice the elephants? And, and Adam's kind of going, he's looking to decide to him. He doesn't have a helper. I kind of believe that that's what God was kind of, he was letting Adam flex his mental muscle. But he was also saying, Adam, if you notice, you don't have a helpmate. Okay? And so God says, I'm going to create this woman. So as let's go read uh, verses 22 through the end of the chapter. The Lord God fashioned into the, uh, fashion, fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed now there's a word play in that little poetic section where it says now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh when it says this is a woman what you have on your sheet the first Hebrew word you'll see there is the word ish that's woman but, or Isha, excuse me, Isha, that's woman. Um, the, the little, the, the, the first letter, the thing looks like an X with a dot under it, and then there's the second letter looks like a W with a little point. The difference is the last letter looks like a house with a window, little thing like that with a window. That's the, <coughs> uh, the uh, when you actually hear a Hebrew pronounce it, they'll go, I can't do that. So, but woman is called Isha, and a man is called ish. That's the, the little thing that looks like an X again. And then the dot. And then the little yod. That's the E. And then the W with the little dot on it. That's the sh Ish. So you've got woman, ishah. And man, ish. And it's saying, look, there's a, core, there's a relationship between these words. Now, actually, one does not come. They don't come from the other. It comes from a different word. But... When God said, I want to use this word, there's, there's this understanding and this symmetry in the language that's isha-ish, isha-ish. There's a corresponding to one another. There's this, they go together. There's a, the, just the language itself. You can't see it in the English, because man and woman, you know, they kind of sound like, I actually heard a joke where a guy said, you know, he saw Eve and said, woo, man, y'all have heard that joke? Y'all have heard that? Okay, that's not really true, but what... <laughs> <laughs> what he said, what he saw, was he looked and there was one that corresponded to him. One of the issues that I think um, Genesis speaks to, actually as I, as I was reading through this and studying this, I think Genesis here speaks to the homosexuality issue. Simply because part of the marriage is to find someone who corresponds to you, not someone who reflects you. Okay, I, I don't want to turn and, and, and be intimate with me. I want to turn and be intimate and affectionate with one that corresponds to me, one that's like me but not like me. Does that make, it, does that make sense? And I think that the problem that they have is they're wrapped up in, it's, it's just gross idolatry. They're worshiping themselves, and it's reflected in how they practice themselves in the bedroom. Does that make sense, T.O.? Okay. I, I was kind of going... Yes, sir. Real
1: quick, I'm sorry. I think that's a great point, and... Just to go back to the image of God and man, you know, it's, that, that is what God ordained, right. was that man and woman would uniquely reflect his image. Right. Man and man cannot uniquely reflect the image of God, only man and woman
0: and, and I, created I, in his image. And I think what you're saying is, is, is the point I'm making. We, ref, we, both, me and my wife, reflect the image of God because, there's that, that again, that singular image is reflected in both of us, mm-hmm. not in just one of us. Um, but, but when you're talking about a homosexual, they're reveling in the reflection of themselves. You understand what I'm saying? It's not the re- they are not trying to reflect God's image; they're trying to reflect their own image. That's why I call it idolatry. Um, so, uh, uh, is there anything else you want to say? Okay. Um, by one flesh, this the by this one flesh statement. When God, when God says this, look, He, he says, look. Divorce and polygamy are forbidden. Uh, turn to Matthew nineteen with me, Matthew nineteen four through six. And this is, uh, Jesus is giving some instructions about divorce. And he says, in verse 4, And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, so he's talking about Genesis, made them male and female, and said, For this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Whatever, therefore, God has joined together, let no man separate. That's marriage. That's what God has done. He's had, he said, look, man, you go find that woman that corresponds to you. You marry her. You're in a covenant relationship for life. It's y'all two against the world. Go do this. And everybody and everything else in society, in America, wherever you're at, is fighting against that. They are, they are tearing down the foundation of marriage simply because, one, they don't respect God, they don't believe in his precepts, they don't read his word, so they don't understand what he said. Because they don't understand what he said, they kind of put it to the back and it doesn't matter. Okay? But it's very important for us as Christians to understand marriage was instituted by God from the beginning. Eve is not just simply called woman. If you look, if you go back to Genesis and look in Genesis chapter 2. In verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Mm-hmm. Eve is called Adam's wife, okay? Um, I, I can't call Carolyn my wife. No offense, Jason. Because <laughs> you know, she's not my wife. You know, I have one wife. Um, I love you, honey. You're beautiful. Um, so, we have this institution of the first marriage here. Okay, that's what marriage is about. Now, there's an empty chart on your on your sheet, and what it is is I think the easiest way to do this is now we're going to talk about some grammatical terms. Um, it's called a chiasm. Who knows what a chiasm is, other than Pastor Emilio or Jason or Chris or Chris. <laughs> Does anybody know what a chiasm is? Okay, chi in the... In the what's, a, what's a chiasm? Um,
2: give it a shot. Give it a shot. Give it a, give it a, a gap?
0: It's not a gap. Close. Not, not, not a gap. Okay, look at this. What is this? X. An X. A chiasm, the Greek word chi is an X. A chiasm is a literary device where it comes to a point and then it goes back out. Okay? And I think what God is doing here in the whole chapter 2 is he's kind of giving us a kaya. This is going to be a simple way for you guys to remember the entire chapter. Okay? So in the first, actually, I, I forgot one box, so you're going to have to add like a box or right under something or, or right above something. I, I apologize. I just forgot the box. I'm an idiot, but it, it happens. Uh, creation is complete. The heavens and the earth are created, and God finishes his work. That's point one up at the top. But down at the bottom, Creation is complete and man and women are naked and they're unashamed. That's the corresponding part. Take one step down you've got man being created. He's formed from the dust. One step up from the bottom you have woman being created. One step down you have the trees in the garden and the river. They're given names. The animals in the garden are given names. Man is given uh, the work of guarding and keeping the garden. Man is in need of a helper because it's not good for him to be alone. And the, the, the point of the chapter is, uh, verses 16 and 17, where you've got forbidden fruit. He wants you to see, I think he's pointing to, and, and this is the whole thing with the chiasm, guys. Some people say, some people see chiasms like everywhere. They see chiasms in chiasms that are formed around chiasms, that are like chiasms, that look like chiasms. And some people kind of go, I don't see it. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't, I don't know, but I do think this is a chiasm. I do think God was saying, look, there's forbidden fruit. That's the point. There's sin. There's sin in this. Do what I've said. So you can kind of remember the whole chapter that way. Hey, John. Yes? How do you spell chiasm? Uh, C-H-I-A-S-M. Everybody will be furiously Googling chiasm after Sunday school That's out but it it is it, you can really see it uh, I'll, I'll give you just an example you can really see a chiasm when you go to paul's letters if you're un- trying to understand what it what it looks like um if you like google chiasm paul's letters i'm sure something will pop up make sure it's sound but it'll it'll show you that he 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 introduces stuff builds to a point and then whoosh, comes out back out again it's it i think in paul's letter definitely chiasms everywhere else people see chiasm mm-hmm. so uh, but I do think there is one here. Um, there are males and females because this is the way that God designed the human race. Both male and female were created by God, and they shared equally in God's image. But, this is a key but, but we are different. Uh, Adam's being, Adam being created from the dust, but Eve was made from Adam. Now that's a difference that I think is important because you've got to understand Since Adam and Eve, every man has come from a woman. But the first woman actually came from a man. Okay, So this is something I I want you to understand. The the point of chapter 1 and chapter 2, at the bottom of your sheet, is a quote from Isaiah. Isaiah says, and this kind of shows you guys that what God has done... um, God has a point to what he's doing. God is trying to tell us something in these two chapters, in these three chapters, in the whole book, in the whole 50 chapters of the book of Genesis. In Isaiah 45, 12, it says, It is I who made the earth, Yahweh is speaking, and created man upon it. I stretched out the heaven with my hands, and I ordained all their hosts. That's, I think that's God's point. God created everything. God wants, as you're, as you're getting ready to go into this marvelous land, he wants you to know all this history behind you guys, I did it. You're unfaithful to me, but I'm still faithful to you. And I did this. I'm protecting you. I'm guiding you. I'm leading you into this land. If you trust in me and you work out who I am, because if you look at, if you look at uh, taking a bigger picture of the book of Genesis, the, the men that we're going to follow in later chapters... Abraham was a pagan, but Abraham believed God, and God was faithful to him. Jacob, the trickster, God was still faithful to him, kept the promise going. Uh, Joseph, picture of Christ, the man who just in the face of temptation fled out and said, I'm not going to sin. God is faithful when we're faithful to him. If we trust him and believe in his word, God will do what he says he's going to do. Now, that's, that can be hard to understand. That can be hard to believe. But you have to kind of put yourself, and I think part of the reason the Bible says that the Old Testament was written for our instruction and our learning, part of the reason that it, it was doing that is so, hey, look, God brought these people out of Egypt. He, he, he got them over the Red Sea as Pharaoh's armory was chasing them. He, he sustained them when, when they were trapped in the land for 400 years. He did this. He did that. They sinned, but God was still faithful. There was always a remnant, one or two or ten or twenty people, always a remnant. Be the remnant. Be faithful. When everybody else is falling or just going to chaos around you, be faithful, trust in God, and you're in the secure. It will be all right. Now, I'm not saying that your life is going to be great, that everything is going to go well. We prayed for our brother, you know, right at the beginning of the service. He's praying at, you know, at his grandmother's funeral. People will still die. People will still get sick. But God's in control because all of this is God's stuff. Okay? The whole world is his. Any questions?
3: Yes. I was going to say, what importance would you place on using, I guess, literal and hyperbolic language? For example, he stretched out his hands knowing that God's spirit not right. comprised the flesh and bone and the reason why I ask because you have someone like a Benny Hinn who, who believes he is
0: flesh and bone. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to bring that up. No, when you, bring when you, whenever you say Benny Hinn, I kind of laugh. <laughs> Benny Hinn, who, does anybody, everybody know who Benny Hinn is? If you don't, please raise your hand. If you don't know who Benny Hinn is, good for you. Okay? Don't find out who he is. Benny Hinn is, is a crazy guy who said God has nine bodies and all of this stuff. I think what, what God is doing when He's using language, He is expressing uh thoughts in human terms so that we can understand. All language is picturesque. It 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 corresponds to something in reality. And so God is saying, Hey, look, I stretched out my hands. He's just saying, again, he's giving language saying, I did it. Okay? But he's just it's just giving giving uh footing to this language that he did it with his hands. He was personally involved in creation. It's not saying that God was uh, like a deist God just kind of up there back beyond the creation and zap everything became. No, God was intimately involved in creation. And I think if you read all of the, the, the statements in Isaiah, Ezekiel, and, you, and especially when you get to the New Testament, it's talking about Christ. He's the firstborn of all creation, the image of God and all this stuff. It's, it's, the point is that God was intimately involved in the creation of everything. I think that's the point that of, of him using uh, anthropomorphic—that's called anthropomorphic language, which is giving um, human attributes to that which is not human—and mm-hmm. um, I think that's why God does that. Did I answer your question? Or are you still confused?
3: No, no. I was—I was just curious how. So it, I mean, I knew the answer. It was okay. just a matter <laughs> of how you would recommend responding to those who would come up with that question. Yeah,
0: I would just say, "Hey, God's just using." Language to express himself, you know, in human terms that we can understand. Any other questions?
2: Along those same lines, uh, he, it, when we talk about God being created, mm-hmm. God creating man in his own image and mm-hmm. in the image of God, one of the comments that was made was that we have the characteristics of God. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. What are God's characteristics, and so, because some people think mm-hmm. that that means I am God because I am created in this image. Yep, 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 right. yep, yep, yep.
3: You know, create, back, create. Exactly. Uh,
1: hold on, I
0: got so something for that. that
2: are out there, right, right. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. How, 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 should, how should we, how should we,
1: how should we how should we respond? To those? Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think when it says that we're created, it you talk about the image specifically, or have the characteristics. Are you saying the characteristics are part of the image? I'm saying
2: they would say that the characteristics are a part of
0: the image. Okay, I would say that the image of God that we have is the ability to make moral judgments, right right and wrong. But that only comes through revelation. It only comes from God speaking, God saying, do this, don't do this. And what happens is, I think, man will look and say, well, God said this, I can do this, I can do the same thing. I think that's an error, simply because... Just because God does something doesn't mean that man can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's God; mm-hmm. we're the creation. Mm-hmm. Can the potter? Can the can the pot say to the thing that to the potter, "Why did you make me this way?" Mm-hmm. I don't think that I can say, "I can go out and speak my own reality into existence." Because God spoke the worlds into existence. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's. A little bit easier to understand when we're made. When it says we're made in the image, and we have characteristics of God. Again, we're reflections. If you think about a reflection, a reflection is not the actual thing. The moon reflects the sun's rays, but the moon is not the sun. Okay. Yes, sir.
2: You know, he had a question before I did, so I'm sorry. Yes, sir. <laughs> it wasn't so much of a question, but uh, I, I wanted to. I told me you guys do go back to this because there was some dialogue that was shared about the image, and basically, the simplified is when it says man was created in God's image, it's based on one: he was created holy and righteousness, his spirit aspect. Uh, when he was, when he added the physical aspect of God, do he have a hand, but God has a face? Are you asking? Yeah, he know I'm saying? He has a face, he has a body, but not a body that we perceive to be, as bone and flesh, what he was saying that the other gentleman spoke of. Now, let me go back to something. Well, real quick with your comment there, I mean, the Bible
1: says God is spirit. Right. That's what I'm getting, and he has no body, he has no face, he, he's not like a man, right? So, I mean, God doesn't have a physical body Says that God is spirit, and so God does not have physical property like man. Right, right. Until, until until of course, He became a man
2: in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I I was saying that. I say He didn't. I didn't not like flesh and bone. Uh Right now, well, He's spirit, and that's the creation of man is spirit. That's the true creation of man.
0: I I would disagree. I would say the true creation of man is found when God, we are a body and soul unity well I'm not finished. Okay. Yeah, let me, okay. Let me let me finish your, let me finish your oh, statement. Go ahead, uh, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead.
2: The true creation of man, because, well, it, here's the thing. If, if the body, if the body, the body is the temple because mm-hmm. we need it here on earth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't travel, it doesn't go to us to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So when I say the true, when I said not this body.
0: Okay? Once
2: it's resurrected, it will be in Yeah.
0: And there's 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 disagreement in the in the kingdom of new body, same body. I believe we're teaching that it's the same body that that goes in the ground it and comes back up. Because uh, that's so what happened to Christ.
2: when you say new body is not a different body, it's the I same don't think it is.
0: I think it's the same body. It's, go, it's going to be glorified. It's going to be perfect. It's, we'll,
2: well, remember, it we'll right.
1: corresponds to the body of Jesus Christ. Right? right. So Jesus did not resurrect in a different body. In a different body. He resurrected in the same body. In the same so body. So shall we. You know, we'll, we'll be resurrected in our body. Somehow God will will resurrect our, our heart. Our right. Heart how,
0: how he does that?
1: positive of our body somehow. I don't know if there is a one-to-one correspondence with this body, but it will be the same body, however renewed right. and redeemed in the image of his son. Right. So, it, but it will be this body. We will. He will not discard this body. Right. He will, he will resurrect and renew this body. Okay. Which is really profound. I mean. Yes. You kind of you kind of dive into some pr- profound things here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Part two next week. Right. Oh, go, ahead. <laughs> go,
0: ahead. go ahead. No, go. ahead. And finish. No, uh, uh, no please go ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Well,
2: basically, uh, the characteristics what we're saying is the uh, the holiness, the righteousness of of, of God, and uh, I think that uh, when we say image. And people say, like you were saying that they think they can do the things that God can do. That's what I you know, the only way you can perform those things is with what you said, unless God is giving you the power and authority to do that. Because all power and authority comes from him. Right, right. that's right. You know. Right. So uh to add on the corrected body statement, I wanted to finish that too, he's absolutely correct. What I mean by this body is the, the this old rugged, sinful body. Okay. We don't have that no more. Right. When it says new body, it's the perfected body of this body. Is what I was trying to say. Okay, yeah. all right. Hey John, yep. you know, maybe you can uh, maybe talk about the last, you know, the, the
1: last thing here because I think it's so important. To remember, and I'm always a sticker on this. I know I'm. I'm sorry. No problem. You know, not I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a pulpit back here, but I try. I act like I do. I know, but why God created us in His image? Why? Why, in image, why not in the image of a rock ooh, ooh, or a stone?
0: Now let's bow in prayer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the only reason why I say that is because obviously God created us in his image because of Jesus Christ. Right.
0: God created us in his image because he had the son in his mind that was coming, that was going to accomplish uh, redemption. God knew everything every, everything that happened. Y'all need to understand that. That's kind of, because I don't, I don't fully understand what that means. God knew everything that was going to happen. He knew the fall was going to happen. He knew all of these things are going to happen. And God said, look, okay, y'all are going to go through this, but I've got a man that's coming. And that's what that's what the Old Testament talks about. The Old Testament is Christ is coming. He's coming. This 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 man who's going to redeem you and and buy you back, going to purchase you back to me is coming. Christ is coming. The Messiah will will come. And it's it's it, it, uh, did I did I answer the question, or do you well, want me to say it just more? It means that he has to create man in, in his image, in a nature right that is suitable
1: for him to one day assume.
0: Right, Christ couldn't come back as a plant. That's right. He couldn't come back as a dog. He couldn't come back as a fish. I mean, he had to come as as what we are, uh, because that's what God had set forth in the beginning. God knew all of this from time immemorial, because He, outside of time, but. Um, I hope I'm answering the question that's great I think I think a good
1: verse for that is in Ephesians where the summing up of all things is in Christ right because the the pre-incarnate Son of God was the lens by which God created the universe it's no, good so I like that. at the end of all time we would glorify him as the Son of God and God the Father would receive glory through him right and so that's why we should go into the sanctuary worshiping that God has orchestrated all of history through the lens of looking upon Jesus Christ, the Son
0: of God. Amen. Amen. And as, as okay. yes, ma'am.
1: No, you finish with that. No, please. Okay. Ladies first. Um, and, and I think this is why it's so important to understand that um, a lot of people think, well, at least what I've heard and what i experienced since I've been saying, I heard different things as far as uh, God was born, so he made us. God needed us. God... Um, was lonely, <laughs> <laughs>
0: without understanding that right.
1: he's he's complete. He you yeah. lack nothing. You yeah. yeah. I think
0: it's so important to understand that it has nothing to do with that. It, uh, that's yeah, that's the statement, guys. It has nothing to do with us. We're just kind of here. Yeah. Yes,
3: Jason. Uh, well, I was going to maybe ask a question to answer a question, and I would just say, who greater to reflect, you know, for man than the, his own image? Mm -hmm. For example, someone said angels. Well, angels don't physically create, yet humans do. So in that respect, we reflect the image of God. And so that's why he doesn't choose a deer to reflect his image. And so I would say that's why that would be at least one reason why.
0: And again, I think uh, this will be the last word, and then we have to go to worship. I think part of the issue, part of the problem that I have, again, is you've got... A mountain full of stuff in every chapter and I have to kind of pick yeah, yeah. what to talk about and if I don't talk about what somebody wants to talk about then they ask a question and we're kind of going all over the place And it's not that what Pastor Emilio said was bad it's just that there are so many issues and themes to talk about that we ha- I have to decide and I pick and that's where we end up so, but if you have any questions about anything please ask because this was a good discussion at the end it wasn't where I focused on but it's great stuff All right. Again, we're just trying to understand the book of Genesis. All right. So please read chapter three for next week and let me pray and then we'll go to worship. Father, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for the people. Uh, I thank you for our newfound friend who came and raised great questions and made great statements. Lord, I just thank you for uh, the people who came. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, meld this lesson into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, let us think on these things and we'll ask all this in Jesus name. Amen.